0: In Colossians chapter 1, one of the most profound passages of Scripture to me, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, kind of gives you a window of what happened when you got born again. A lot of people think they just got forgiveness, or they just, you know, well, I got saved, so I got peace, or I got joy, and all that's good and true. But in Colossians chapter 1, he told us that he transferred us. The Bible says, for he transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of what? Read it to me real quick. The son of his dear love. Some translations say the kingdom of his son. So you were transferred. Let's read it together because it's good to hear the word of God out loud with a lot of folk. Ready? Look on the screen. One, two, three, read. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Notice the tenses there. He has. He has delivered us. He has transferred us. So the moment you got saved, the moment you confessed with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and added that to a belief that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you were saved, and you didn't see anything or feel anything. You know, you didn't feel God reach into your ribcage and pull something. Out. But in the spirit realm, which, how many you know, the unseen world created everything that you see in the seen world. The Bible says the unseen things were spoken. God said, let there be light before there was light. God birthed a sun with his mouth. And interesting, when you read Genesis, God didn't make the sun till like day three. But on day one, he said, let there be light. How was there light without the sun? Same way there will be in the book of Revelation when the Bible says there'll be no sun or lamp, but the Lamb of God will be the light of the city. How many of you think God's got more ways of making light than just a little sunball? But he spoke out of the unseen. He spoke into existence things that we see. So the Bible says the invisible things of the world created the visible things. So the unseen world, how many of you know there's angels in this room? There's things that you don't see, and that world is more real. You can't see heaven right now. You're looking at an auditorium. You can't, you're in Missouri. You're not looking at heaven, but you know it's more real than what you're sitting here looking at right now. So that same unseen realm is where God operates with you. It's very critical that you grab that. So he reached into your spirit, man, and he pulled it away from the kingdom of Satan, and he put it into the kingdom of the son of his dear love. And that's the kingdom now that he talks to you in. If you go to China, but you don't speak Chinese, you're going to have to take with you a what? An interpreter, because you're in a whole new place with whole new laws. Did you know in New Jersey it's against the law to pump your own gas? You, You didn't know that? It's really true. It's illegal in the state of New Jersey. Every gas station is full service. You never get out of your car. It's against the law. You can't have both. It's full service only. So they do the old school wipe your windshield down, you know, the whole bit. You just sit there. And when it's 40 below zero, you're happy about that probably, right? Well, if you go to Texas and you tell the gas pump, uh, fill it up, he's going to shoot you the finger because he's not filling up your gas tank at all. He'll cuss you out. And if you go to Texas, would you pump my gas? What? <laughs> yeah, that's unheard of. Different place. Some of you have been born again, but you think God's talking to you like you used to think before you got saved. Or that He's responding to you like He responded to people in the Old Testament. Not understanding that He's already delivered you from the power of darkness and He puts you into a new place. So He's talking to you in that new kingdom and you misunderstand because your mind is living in the old one. And one of the things that breaks my heart as I travel, and, and, and we'll be in Nigeria in a few weeks, and, and, and as we just go around the world, people who genuinely love God, they, there's no doubt they love Jesus, there's no doubt they want God to move in their life and in their family, but they're really struggling, their life is hard. And it's hard uh, with maybe physical stuff or mental or emotional or financial or marriage. They're struggling, and they're really doing their best to, to get God involved, but they just don't seem to ever pop. It never clicks. They, they hear about miracles. They hear about the joy of the Lord. They hear about all these amazing things God can do, and they believe it. They don't disbelieve any of that. They know God can do anything. But if they're honest, they don't really feel like they're experiencing it themselves. And they know enough about God to know he's not doing them dirty. Whatever it is, it's not God's fault. But I don't know how to make what I've been promised what my present reality is. And they come to me at the altar crying crying. And I'm not talking about people that go to church once every five years and snort cocaine two times a week and, and intentionally are making no effort to live for Jesus. I'm talking about good people like you and me who love God and, and yeah, got some struggles, got some whatever, but, but you, you, you're, you're in this thing, man. You're in it, but it's still not popping like you wished it would. And you know enough about God to know it can't be His fault, so we inventory ourselves. Am I not praying enough? Am I not tithing enough? Am I not in church enough? What what, what is it that I could be doing? Or maybe it's just not God's timing. Maybe it's not really His will to do what I want Him to do. Or maybe all these things. And then what happens is occasionally you mess up. You, You sin. You do something you would call big, whatever your big definition is. Maybe you got mad in traffic and you said a swear word. Maybe you lost your temper with your mate. Maybe... You know, God delivered you from pornography, had looked at it in years, and you had a bad weekend and watched it for two hours, whatever the it is, then you come back to the house of God or back to prayer, and you've brought guilt with you, you've brought condemnation with you, you've brought embarrassment with you, you've brought shame with you, and now you don't feel worthy to ask, so you put all of your stuff on hold. I won't talk to God about my things today. i would really hoping He would help me with this, this, and this. I'm really hoping these areas in my life could change. I, I need joy. I, I don't have much. I, I need some financial deliverance. I, I, I just don't. So, you know, man, I've messed up. So I'm not going to bother God today because I haven't been the best child lately. And you bring all that stuff, and we stay in a cycle. We stay in a cycle. And then the rare person who's, quote, unquote, doing it right all the time, can fall into spiritual pride well i'm one of god's favorites i'm one of god's you know i'm thankful like the pharisees lord we we give we pay tithe we're not like these people see have you heard some of that i'll never forget a woman came to me years ago and she was so happy i mean this lady was like a poster child for comedy central she was laughing she was bubbly and she said dr Mike, i want you to rejoice with me miracles happened in my life and I said okay what is it she said I'm down to just three packs of cigarettes a day well I said awesome but you know inquiring minds want to know so I'm thinking in my head I gotta ask her in just a second I I gotta know I'm, I'm thankful for the three packs and you're down and I'm gonna be happy with you but I gotta know man if you're down to three come on somebody what was I wanting to ask her what in the world were you at? Five. Just smoking five packs a day. I said, you just got enough money now to buy a new Cadillac just off of that. But I rejoiced with her, and she meant it. She, you know, I've never smoked in my life. I've, never, I've, I've done many other wrong things. Smoking cigarettes is not one of my things. So I don't have a right to sit there and say, well, if ye really love God, you wouldn't even be doing the three. I've never been addicted to it. I, I've, I can't lecture somebody. How come it's taken you six months to get off? I, I don't know what that's like. I, I can't, I can't, I can't say to somebody, you ought to be doing better in the battle. I've never had. So what should I have done? What I did? I rejoiced with her. If you were at five and you're down to three, that's awesome. But I know a lot of people that think I was wrong to encourage her at three because she shouldn't be doing any. Okay? Can we stop all the nonsense? Well, if you know you're kind to people, it'll give them a license to sin. Oh, they're sinning without the license. (laughs) uh, We've all been doing fine without the license. (laughs) Can we just come back to he delivered us? I got moved into a new realm. So I'm going to give you some real things real fast and then pray because what I really meant at the beginning, and Pastor did not talk to me about what I was preaching about today, and I did not know what the Lord had told him until I got in a car with him this morning, and he said to me, God has put a word, There's something, the word about new, and what he shared, the prophetic word he gave. And funny, before he shared that, I'm sitting where he's at now, and the Holy Spirit said, add this to your message today. Tell the people to stop focusing on what's happening and start focusing on what's already been done. And then he got up there and said, quit focusing on what's happening. I'm doing a new thing. I want to share with you just for a few minutes today. If You can listen fast. I'm not, people say people from Texas talk slow. Not me. So you can buy the tape later and listen to it on slow. I want you to hear me because I'm going to say a couple of just one-liners to get us to a place because I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. Everything, everything, everything. If you come to me after service, say, Mike, what about this? I'm going to say, everything you're wanting and needing from God, he's already said yes to it. He's already said yes. Not only has he already said yes to it, He's already done it. He's already given it to you. He's already said, there you go. Now, I know what you're saying is, okay, I don't disagree with that, Mike, but where is it? Because it's not in my driveway, my bank account. It's not in my life. It's not in my emotions. Like, I'm fighting. I'm going through some stuff here. I understand. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. Before we get into it, look at it again. He what? He has delivered you. Put up Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Got to show you two scriptures. I'm going to give you three things to write down, then we're going to pray. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 has become one of my favorite passages in the whole of the Word of God. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes today on why. Christians do not receive answers to their prayers. Why many Christians are not getting answers to their prayers, living in the cycle I just mentioned of frustration, discouragement, not not bitter at God, but just not winning in life. You want to read this one together? One, two, three. Read it real loud. Ready? Go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you see that? Man, if that's not some gospel good news, I don't know what is. He's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Where are they? In the heavenly places where? Where do you live? 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. You see, that's the Colossians verse. Your spirit man got moved to a town called In Christ, USA. And God talks to you like you were a citizen of that town, not like you're a citizen of Cape. He talks to you like you're a Havanian and that you understand your privileges, your rights, your authority. He talks to your spirit, not your mind, because your mind's not saved. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your body's not you. It's going to die one day. You're off to someplace else. You understand that? You have a spirit. God is a spirit. He talks to your spirit. Your mind is not a Christian. That's why you can watch a a boring movie for two hours and be okay. But five minutes into prayer, your mind's going a thousand places. Because your mind hates the presence of God. Your mind is not born again. That's why God said renew it every day with the Word of God. you got to bring your mind into alignment with the Spirit of God. So look at it again. Blessed be the God and Father. Now, if you came to me and said, Mike, I'd like to make a list of all the spiritual blessings, okay? If I told you guys to start writing them out now, list what spiritual blessings are. How many of them can you come up with? It doesn't matter if you come up with two or 200. Guess what you got? All of them. Okay? We can talk about what they are another day. Pastor can have me back. We can teach on that. But you already got all of them. So just for fun, you think joy might be a spiritual blessing? You think strength might be a spiritual blessing? A woman came up to me one time. She said, i got a board meeting tomorrow at my job. They're coming after me. HR is going to just kill me. She said, would you pray God gives me strength? I said, I wished I could, but I can't. She said, why? Are you real busy? I said, no, I've got plenty of time. It's just an unscriptural prayer. I said, where do you live? She said, in Christ. I said, the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is your... So you don't need to ask for strength. You need to lift your hands and say, I am strong. Because He's already given you... See... Put up uh, 1 Peter 1, three. Got time for one more real quick, and then I'll give you the points. First 1 Peter 1, 1.3, this is powerful stuff. And the beautiful thing about the gospel, and pastor and I get the privilege of saying this week after week after week, is it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, it doesn't matter who you are, you can have a seat at the table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and Christians don't have a forgiven past. They have no past at all. It's been erased and deleted. That's good news. Ready for this one? 1 Peter 1 3. Let's go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, sorry, my fault, I gave you the wrong scripture. 2 Peter 1 3. That's a good one, too. This is live. 2 Peter 1, 3. Ready? Go. As His divine power has already given to us all things that pertain to your life and godliness, and He did it through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. He gave you two categories here. I've already given you everything you need to live a human life. And I've already given you everything you need for your spiritual life. You think you need some money to live a normal life? I promise you, this is a really not a trick question, but I promise you, 80% of the churches I preach in, if I ever ask the audience the question, how many believe God wants you to have some money? I can see it on half the people's faces. They're not sure if they're allowed to answer yes to that question. Like, Is it okay to... I, 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 I was at the counter of American Airlines yesterday. I had a really flying day from the pit yesterday, a lot of weird stuff. I didn't walk up to the American Airlines counter and say, uh, I'm going to Cape to preach, so could I have a free ticket? I got a Bible verse I can quote if I could get my groceries free next week. I'll speak in tongues if my light bill could be free this month. That don't work like that. Look at me real quick and just so I know that I'm not in the 80% church, because I know I'm not. How many of you think money is important for your normal life? So do you need to ask God for money? No. He already told you. He's already given to us all things that pertain to life. If you need some money to function in life, God's already said yes to it. If you need friends to function in life, because you can't live in solitary confinement, that's what they do for punishment. That's where people go in prison. So God's already provided you some friends think you need some spiritual encouragement some teachers some preachers some shepherds some pastors so God said yes and he gave you the fivefold ministry I could go on and on and on but he's already said yes to everything that you need for life you think health is good for life You, you, you think death is the same thing as life no it's kind of the opposite if you're dead you don't have life so if I want to have life and have it more abundantly I don't want to be sick so he already gave me And said yes to health and healing. Are you grabbing where I'm going with all of this? Why don't Christians receive answers to prayers? Let me give you two or three. Ready? Number one, because we're asking God for things he's already said yes to. Holds up the process. Because God only reacts to our faith, right? Or he's only pleased by faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when I remove faith from the equation, I've stopped pleasuring God in that moment. So if I walk over here, for instance, to Pastor, and he's got his laptop right here. I said, Pastor, could I have your laptop just for a second? And he hands it to me, and I said, Thank you. Could I have your iPad, please? Well, is Mike about to tell a joke? Is this a trick question? Because he's obviously... He knows, and I know, he's already given me the iPad. He don't have three down here to give me more. So if I stood here for six weeks and said, could I have your iPad? Could I have your iPad? He'd get concerned for me quick because that's just weird. He knows I'm holding it. I know he knows. Now, what if I just twisted it and said, gave him compliments. Pastor, thank you. Could I have your iPad? You're one of my best friends. Thank you, Pastor. You're one of the greatest preachers I know. What if I stood here and just gave him accolades for an hour and still asked for the iPad? Would that make him feel any less strange about what I'm doing? Now, can you imagine God, who's already told you in multiple scriptures, I've already given you everything you need, everything you want, I said, it is finished. I died on the cross. I rose from the dead. I've given you eternal life. I've given you my name. I've given you ability to speak to a mountain and command it to move, and it will do what you say. I've given you authority over demons and sickness and disease. And when you get sick and in trouble, you come back to me and say, Lord, could I have the iPad? And to make it not seem so weird, you tell him nice things about himself. I'll always serve you. I'll always love you. I'll always worship you. There's nobody like you. Could you give me some stuff? Could you give me some stuff? Would you heal me? Would you prosper me? And God is sitting there going, wow, wow, wow. What part about my word are you having trouble thinking I took serious? So when you're safe for one or two weeks or months, God cuts us some slack because we're what we call What? Baby Christians, I don't expect a baby. Pastor's grandson is over here. He's not driving me home today. He's not buying lunch. He doesn't do algebra. He's a baby. But if I meet him when he's 30, he better know how to drive he better buy his favorite evangelist lunch, right? So there's a change. Well, God will cut you some slack and it's different for every person, but there's a time God says, okay, you've walked with me enough to quit asking me for what I told you I already did and start believing me and receiving it. So he still loves us. He's not pushing you out, but he just stops because God can't move when you've taken faith out of the equation. And so we're asking God. We we do it sincerely. We don't do it to be, we're not trying to delay our miracle. Because religion has convinced us God may not want to give it to us. God may want to heal some people and some people die. God may want to teach us something with the sickness. So I asked a lady the other day, she said, I've got cancer. I believe God sent it to me to teach me something. I said, did you take chemo and radiation? She said, yes. I said, why were you cheating God of the lesson he was trying to teach you? You're trying to get cured, but he sent it to you. Jesus said, I'll send the Holy Ghost, and he will guide you into all truth. So you think God had to fire the Holy Ghost and hire a disease to be his tutor? Not against doctors, hospitals, or medicine. That's not what I'm saying. But if you thought God sent sickness to your family so he could teach you ten lessons... It's kind of like the lady who said, I ran out of gas, but it must have been God's will because I led the man who brought me a can of gas to the Lord. Well, it didn't dawn on her that the guy working back at the gas station wasn't saved either. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes Christians can be goofy. Now, don't look back at them twice. Just look back up here at me. I used to wrestle. Can you put up Isaiah 53, 4, please? Isaiah 53, we're going to get ready to pray. Number one reason we're not receiving answers to prayers, we're asking for things God already said yes to. And the reason he's not able to respond is our very asking is saying to him, you haven't done it yet. If pastor handed me his iPad, there's no need to ask for it again. I got it. I wouldn't ask unless I was trying to be weird, insulting, or I somehow was delusional enough to think that wasn't his iPad. Are you grabbing this? Look at this beautiful verse right here. Surely he has borne our griefs. Has, past tense. Surely He has carried our sorrow. We're going to go to verse 5 in a minute. Yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, next verse. But He was, past tense, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we, present tense, are healed. Now... When I came up, religious folks taught me that this didn't mean physical healing. It meant He healed us mentally or emotionally, or it meant that His stripes were for healing our sin problem. And so when you go to believe for your physical healing, you think, Well, wait a minute. Maybe maybe those religious teachers are right. Maybe this has nothing to do with the body. Maybe God does want me to be sick because He's teaching me something. He just wants me to suffer for His namesake so He can get the glory out of my, my chemo and my pain and my, my vomiting and my weight loss. Maybe, maybe that's it. So flip over to Matthew chapter 8 real quick before we go to prayer. And if you've ever been taught that, I want to forever seal that for you because some of you were raised with that teaching that miracles don't happen today, God's not doing them anymore, and that everything we, you know, we get from God is just, you know, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. And we're going to go to verse 17 as well. This, is, this will blow your mind. I mean, this right here. So when evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Well, Mike, that that he did it then, no doubt. But is it his will to do it now? And was he just healing them emotionally? Was he just healing them mentally? Remember the verse I just read you in Isaiah? By his stripes you are healed. Not going to be, not could be, not might be if he wants to. Not might be if you ask hard enough. Stay off the cigarettes, stay off the porn, do things to impress him. Maybe if you can get your faith to Superman level, he'll do something if you're nice. He said, by the way, before you even read the verse, I already said yes to it. And by my son's stripes, you are healed when evening came he cast the spirits out with a single word and healed all who were sick comma not the end of thought why'd he do all that why'd he heal the sick why'd he heal all of them Matthew eight seventeen. he did this that it might be fulfilled which was prophesied by Isaiah saying he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. He showed you that it wasn't just mental or it wasn't just emotional. He healed physically everybody who was sick to back up what Isaiah said he would do because he was made sin with your sin and sick with your sickness so we don't have to bear the fruit of either one of them. Come on, somebody. Give Him some marvelous praise today. (laughs) Hallelujah. So why are we not seeing as many miracles? Because we're positioning ourselves like we used to think, that it's performance-based. God, if you like me, you'll do this for me. God, if you'll be kind to me, you'll do this for me. God, if you just cut me some slack, I'm reading. I'm not watching as much porn. I'm on three packs a day. And we get into this performance-based stuff that has nothing to do with what Jesus already did for you on the cross. Because it was never about your performance, good or bad. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Some of you have been so close to being healed, but you get guilty and embarrassed about stuff you've done in the past and you feel unworthy to receive, so you don't. And it doesn't have anything to do with God's willingness. It has everything to do with the receivers messed up. You see, you can't see television signals in this room right now, but they're all over the building. If I turned a TV set on right here, that TV would receive the signal that you can't see. It didn't mean that the signal wasn't there just because you couldn't see it. Everything you've got in your home right now could have been here 5,000 years ago. People just didn't know how to tap in to it. You think signals and airwaves and electrical things just popped up when Ben Franklin got a kite and a key? It was there all along. The ability to make metal was here all along. Nobody knew how to do it. So all that stuff that's floating around in the unseen world just waiting for you and I. Second reason we don't receive a lot of answers to prayers is we think prayer requests are coming down from heaven instead of out of your born again spirit. The second reason we don't receive a lot of answers to prayers is we think the answer's coming down from heaven instead of out of your born-again spirit. We talk a lot of Old Testament language, and we come by it honestly. We were raised that way. God send your glory down. God send revival down. God send the Holy Ghost down. He'd been down 2,000 years. He didn't go back up. God, We say things like, Lord, be with us as we go today. What do you mean, be with us? He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He he lives inside of you. We say things like this it's time to seek the Lord. America's going to hell in a handbasket. It's time for the church to rise up and seek God. Except New Testament Christians don't seek God. The word seek means what? It means to look for. I'm not looking for my microphone. I got it. I'm not looking for my jacket. I'm not looking for my wallet. If Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. If he came to live in your heart and he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. How do you look for somebody who never leaves you? New Testament Christians don't have to seek God because we are the temple of God. Old Testament, they had to go to one city, one tent, one tabernacle, one room. Only one man, the high priest, could go in there one day a year. New Testament Christians aren't trying to find God. He lives right here. It's like waking up in the morning going, you know, has anybody seen my kidneys? I'm looking, looking for my kidneys. He said, lo, I'm with you always. In Hebrews, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So he's never left. So don't ask him to be with you. Thank him that he always is. Are you grabbing this today? Well, Mike, it's, it's kind of semantics. It doesn't really matter what we say, except it does. Because we're and southern people are the worst. we got these colloquial funny expressions we say that we know on paper we don't mean. But the reason they're dangerous to us is because you're training your human spirit to never trust what comes out of your mouth. So when a trial hits and a tragedy hits or a sickness hits and you really got to say something to move a mountain, your spirit doesn't know what to do because you've always trained it with stuff you don't believe. This job's going to get the very best of me He's on my last nerve. You really just got one left? Just one? It was 114 in Dallas the other day. I heard people say, it's hot as... Did they really think hell was only 114? No, they didn't. They didn't think that. They didn't think that. But they said, you know what we got to come back to realizing? Our Father. Jesus said, I only do the things I see my Father do. That's how I know it's God's will to heal you. Because Jesus healed the sick because he saw his daddy do the same thing. Are you happy about this? So if he only did the things he saw the Father do, as I studied the Father, He never says anything he doesn't mean. I'm not trying to be weird with semantics. I'm trying to get you to see the power God gave you of your authoritative mouth. So when you train yourself all day long to say stuff that you know is not on paper true, you don't really believe you're on your last nerve. You don't really believe you'll never get out of debt. I pray for sick people, and I hear men will go back to their wives, and I'll overhear a man say, well, I still got the back pain. I guess I didn't get anything from God. And man, it it, it crushes me because he just negated everything. Your pain has nothing to do with whether you got healed or not. I just read you. So we're at a place now in America where we need the church to rise up and say we're not beggars anymore. We're not hoping God will be nice to us. I got, I got a beautiful 15-year-old daughter. And when she comes home with an A on her report card, it don't make her more my daughter. When she makes an F, it doesn't make her less my daughter. I'm her dad. I got a daughter with an F. I got a daughter with an A. One has different earthly consequences, et etc. Cetera, et cetera, but it doesn't change. She can ask me for water the day she gets an F. I don't cut her electric off. She still gets lunch at school. Nothing about daddy changes because daughter has done less than her best. So can we just stop this performance-based religion stuff and just recognize it was all about Jesus to begin with? Just receive. Just receive. So when we position ourselves, God, would you, would you please heal me? Would you please heal me? I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to hurt anymore. I know you can. I know you did it for Jill and Bob. I'm hoping you do it for me. If you don't, I'm going to serve you anyway. We think all that sounds holy, and, and I know that we mean it. And God knows our heart too. But I came today to tell you that we're not getting answers to prayers because we're asking God to do something He told you He already did. And the very asking of the question presupposes He didn't mean what He said. And it keeps us spiritually handcuffed. I get ready to close with this. I was just in Africa a little over a year ago. I may have told you this last year, but it's so, I love here. I love telling the teenagers this. There was a man in the church whose daddy died. 82 years old, dropped of a heart attack. They brought him to the funeral home and his only son came in to claim the body make the arrangements. His daddy was on the right side over here of the, of the room and he walked over and, and was crying over his dad's body. In the corner of the room was a Christian TV show. Pastor Chris Okilomi, my dear friend, was, was, his program was on for miracles and healings. He's crying over his dad's body. He just found his only kid. He's the only child crying over his dad's body. And he heard Pastor Chris say through the TV If you need a miracle from God, as weird as it sounds, walk over to the TV. I'm going to stretch my hand out toward the camera. Put your hand on my hand as a point of contact. And God will give you your miracle. Now, come on, be honest as I close. Be honest. Missouri Christians, Illinois, Kentucky, Texas Christians, you ain't getting out of your lazy boy. You're going to sit there and watch the religious TV program and maybe you'll stretch your hand toward the screen. If you really desperate and super spiritual, you'll stretch both. You might even stand up out of reverence but you probably wouldn't walk over there and stick your hand on the screen. You know what the kid did? He didn't do any of that. Pastor, he grabbed the gurney his daddy's body was on and drug his dead father over to the screen and put his father's dead hand on Pastor Chris, and God raised his father from the dead. And... That father was in church that day with me. And he's in service seven hours ahead of us there this morning because we serve a God whose power has not diminished. His willingness to heal has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So today, I'm going to command healing to come into your body. I'm not asking God to heal you because we read a lot of Scripture today. He already has said yes. You say, okay, Mike, let's just close with this question. I'd like our musicians to come. Mike, I, I don't disagree with anything you said today, but how come it ain't manifested in my life yet? I know God can prosper me. I know He can heal me. I know He already has. I, I'm not disagreeing, Mike, but, but, but I'm doing everything I know to do to work with my faith, and it's not popped yet. And that's an amazing, good question. And there's nothing wrong with asking it. Let me give you a little answer. The moment you got born again, the second you did, before you quit smoking, before you quit being mean to people, before you cleaned up. You know, one woman came to me one day and she said, here's my kid, he's 14, he smokes weed. She said, tell him he's got to quit smoking dope to come to Jesus. I said, I I can't tell him that. She thought I was pro-weed, you know. I said, no. I said, can I just ask you, Mom, a quick question? I said, do you get cleaned up to take a bath? I said, he doesn't have to stop doing anything to come to Jesus. He comes right where he's at. Nobody's justifying sin. You just don't have to get a victory over everything to be qualified to come. That's the point. The sick need the doctor. So the moment you got saved, he recreated your spirit and made it just like Jesus's. And he put inside that recreated born-again spirit everything you would ever need for life and godliness. It's not coming down from heaven. It's coming out because he's already said yes to it. Ephesians says he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think, comma according to the power that works within us. See, it's not trying to twist God's arm to be good and send something down. It's using your faith to release what needs to come out. And the same way you got born again. You didn't see Jesus die. You didn't see the crucifixion. I don't care if you watched the Passion 25 times. It probably still looked different. You don't know what Jesus looks like. And the moment you got born again, you didn't get some kind of VIP download to see it. We still don't know what the whipping post looked like. We all have an imagination of it. That's 2,000 years ago. But you believed in it. And you used your mouth to draw back 2,000 years ago into the invisible realm and you brought something with your mouth back into the realm you're living in right now and you called it getting saved and you release everything else you're needing from God the same way. You use your mouth to call in what you see He already said yes to. And even though you don't feel saved every day, you don't feel holy every day, You still are. You that are married, it doesn't matter how much you love your spouse. You know you don't feel love every day. You don't feel it the same way. See, I can tell by the way, y'all are laughing. Y'all don't feel it much at all. Maybe I don't even know. Just kidding. Are you hearing my heart today? It's not about how you feel. It's about do you just believe Him? Start there. It doesn't make sense to me mentally, Mike, because I don't see, don't feel. Good. That's okay. Can you agree? He's already said yes to it. Can you just lift your hands and say, Lord, I just thank you for it. I'm not asking to be healed. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for joy. I'm lifting my hands and saying, thank you for joy. Thank you for strength. Thank you for peace. Thank you for divine healing. Come on. Thank you for prosperity. Thank you for paying my house off. Thank you for a good job. Lord, I thank you today. You've already given me all things pertaining to life. You've already given me all spiritual blessings. I don't ask for healing I thank you I am healed, I am whole, I am disease free, I am pain free. I thank you the joy of the Lord is my strength. I thank you no weapon formed against me prospers. I thank you greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thank you my feelings are not the final say so. I thank you I don't have to believe the report of a doctor. I don't have to believe the report of a stock market. I believe the report of the Lord. I am healed. I am whole. I am wealthy. I am everything. God. As I am. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands all over the building and just love on him today. Stand with me all over the house. Just begin to wave your arms to the Lord. I quit a few minutes early so I could pray for people today. So I want to just say, He's already said yes. He's already said yes. He's already said yeah. You come to me with all your what ifs after service. Mike does it mean this, does it mean that? He's already said yes. What a good news, man. So you see, our prayer life with God is not a bunch of asking, please, hope so, can you, cut me some slack. It's a fellowship with a God who's already said yes. He said, my peace, I leave you. Not as the world gives, I give you my peace. I don't have to pray for peace. If I feel like I don't have it, I rebuke the enemy for trying to take it away. And I thank him that he's already said, my peace, I give you. I don't ask God to go with me today when I fly home tomorrow. Father, thank you, you've never left me. You're getting on a plane with me. You're going to Cape with me. You are go, oh hallelujah. You know what God is so cool? When I got up this morning, I left my family yesterday to get on a plane. And God was on the plane before I got on the plane. And when I got on the plane, the same God was still at my house where I left. He's with me now. He's with you now. And He's already in your car waiting for you to get there. Because He's everywhere.